Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Pants Party Podcast. My name is Ben Ross. I am one of your managing editors for uh, your favorite Iowa blog, Blackheart Gold Pants. Joining me on my right is Max Brecky, giving us updates on the Chicago Bears. How are you doing tonight, Max? Um, I'm doing well. I'm watching the Bears in the background. Mitch Trubisky, I'm not sold. I think he might be bad. You know what? Um, I saw something on Twitter that Jay Cutler would win 14 games with this Bears defense, but we're not going to get into that because that is just a bald-faced lie. Rex Grossman would win 14 games with this Bears defense. Anyways. I would take that straight to the bank. And (laughs) on my left, I have Harrison Starr giving us updates on Arkansas football, maybe? I'm not sure. How are we doing, Harrison? I'm doing great. Uh, The people of Northwest Arkansas are in a bad mood. Uh, Not sure if you saw them, but they got rolled by North Texas, uh, including a fake fair catch punt. So uh, I did see that. That was, that, that was pretty wild. Um, but we're not an Arkansas blog or a North Texas blog. So I'll be a North Texas blog for a minute. That was – Yeah, I, you got to take it I just want – I just really want to say, like, how nobody on the sideline, how nobody on the field noticed that he didn't call for a fair catch. Like, you the know, referee like, kind of gave it away just by, like – not not doing anything. Right, like, the, no whistle, play. nothing. Yeah. Everybody just like walked away. Like how do you like you have to be so, you know, much more aware than that. And also that would never have happened while Burt was there. Agreed. It wouldn't it wouldn't hard. He would have done agree. the fake fair punt or fair hey. catch. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was that's all I had to say about it, but I just really wanted to say like I it was astounding that you know, nobody realized it. All right, well, you are not here to listen to us talk about North Texas, Arkansas. You're here to uh, listen to us talk about Iowa's riveting, exciting 38-14 win over the Northern Iowa Panthers. Probably the most complete game Iowa's played all season long, not just defensively, but especially offensively. We finally saw the offense come to life. Our quarterback, our dark horse, all Big Ten pick, Nate Stanley was downright surgical against the Panthers. I don't care. It's an FCS team. He was 23-28, <clears throat> 309 yards. His first 300-yard game since Iowa State in 2017. Two touchdowns and one ill-advised interception. But, oh, man, I just really liked what I saw out of our quarterback. Uh, and I just want to start there. I don't even want to get into the rest of the pieces yet. I just want to talk about Nate Stanley for five minutes. Um, he just looked like a completely new player. He uh, it was not the Nate Stanley we saw against Northern Illinois. It was not the Nate Stanley we saw against uh, Iowa State. He was out there. He was loose. He was having fun. He was running the ball. He was mixing in guys. Uh, I think 10 different receivers caught a ball for Iowa. Uh, Nick Easley had 100 yards. Noah Fant had 99 yards. Uh, just really, really exciting stuff to see from Nate and really encouraging. Um, what did you guys see out of our quarterback? Um, yeah, it was, he was more impressive, you know, his routes looked a little bit more, uh, not his routes, sorry, his, uh, passes, um, and decision-making were a lot, uh, better against UNI than they had been previously, you know, even against Northern Illinois, you know, which is probably the second 
worst defense we played out of the three. Um, you know, he, you know, looked very uncomfortable in the pocket all day, and he did not really, you know, like, make any good decisions. Um, this one, he his timing was good. Uh, he linked up really well, and I think that Nick Easley being back is a huge part of that just because that's the um, Nick Easley uh, words. Um, Nick Easley being back is a huge thing for him, I think. What, he have, like 11 catches, something like that? Yeah, it was 11, uh, the most by a wide receiver since uh, 2011, right? Keenan yeah, Davis, Davis during the uh, crazy comeback against Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and that's we Kevontae were... Martin-Manley, not Keenan Davis, right? No, it was Keenan Davis that had 11 catches. Really? Kevontae Martin-Manley had like three touchdowns, though, right? Yeah, I think oh, yeah, okay. he had two touchdowns. Um, okay. But it was fun. Actually, uh, if Noah Fant had one more yard, it would have been the first time since that game that Iowa actually had uh, two 100-yard receivers in the same game because it was Keenan Davis and Marvin McNutt in that one. But anyways, back to Nate Stanley. You know, he just looked good, looked comfortable. Uh, it is an FCS school, but, you know, it's good to see him make solid decisions except for one terrible, awful, ill-advised throw. But, you know, um, yeah, no, I'm glad to see the offense look better than they had. Yeah, I, I really agree. Um, to me, it, it's kind of funny how the, the most complete game was basically the game where they went for three complete quarters. Um, from the beginning, you could tell that Brian Ferentz really wanted to put a premium on getting the passing game in a flow. Uh, you saw it a bunch of different ways. Like you said, Nick Easley looks 100%. Um, Fant was doing all sorts of different things. They were running a few different routes. I know there's been some talk on our uh, comments about is it actually different or is it uh, more of the same? And it's different. For this year, more of the same if you look at Iowa as a complete organism, which is fair since it's been around for 20 years. Um, but Iowa interference, right? Yeah, interference, yeah. excuse me. Uh, so kind of the same mindset, but it was nice to see them, you know, kind of open it up a little bit um, uh, like we thought they might be holding on to. Um, there definitely was some more stuff. The thing I was really excited about, and I think I might have mentioned – it on the podcast last week was just the lack of a horizontal nature to the pass game. Um, there were some screen passes going on. I think that's really to Iowa's benefit. And maybe the most exciting thing was that little swing pass to Sargent, outside of obviously all the Nate fan stuff or no fan stuff. Um, seeing Sargent getting some space and seeing what he could do, um, that that was uh, an eye opener to me. So that that's kind of the wrapping up the offense to me that that's kind of what was exciting to seeing just how many playmakers they have not even including ICAM or ism uh yeah i'm glad you brought up sergeant because i was uh ivory kellen martin missed his second straight game and i was a little bit nervous for this run, running attack i really like torn young but it was kind of, i didn't like what i've seen out of sergeant uh the first two games he just uh, you could tell that he's just a bit a st- one significant step below talent-wise behind IKM, and uh, he I know it's you and I again where that's the caveat I'm not going to bring it up again, uh, but he just looked like a completely different runner. He was running downhill, running really hard, hitting holes that I don't think he would have hit against Iowa State last week. Uh, he just looked like a whole not unlike Nate Stanley. He looked like a whole a completely different player. His confidence uh, seemed through the roof. He seemed really comfortable um obviously catching he only had the one catch uh there was a second 
uh, the first attempt, I think, uh, they had a swing pass out for him that would have gone for 40. It would have been a really tough catch. Uh, ball was just a little bit underthrown. <clears throat> but I really like how they're working him into the passing game, uh, giving him some more roles in the offense to help him get his confidence up. I really, really like this um, rushing attack we have right now. Uh, Sargent and Young both combined for 150 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, with Ivory, I uh, suspect Ivory Kelly Martin will be back. He wasn't on today's depth chart. Um, but even if he's not, I feel pretty good about, uh, I feel a lot better about this backfield than I did uh, a week ago. And that doesn't even mention Brady Ross, who uh, did some pretty great things, in my opinion. <laughs> the Swiss Army knife. He was great. I really, uh, I kind of want to do a 23andMe or family tree and see if we're related in any way. Um, because he'd be <laughs> my only cool relative I'd ever ha- I've ever had. Uh, but I just, uh, I can't say enough things about this offense right now. Harrison, you did say, you know, it was the same and, um, yeah, maybe it's the same, but also different, uh, different part is where, uh, it worked, things worked. And, uh, I think it was a really, really important momentum booster, confidence booster, uh, going into this Wisconsin game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, you mentioned Brady Ross, and I think that kind of is indicative of kind of what we've seen from this offense. It's a little more um, eye formation than I think maybe I expected coming into this year. Uh, it really kind of started with NIU. Um, the focus in the second half on just beating, the, beating them into a pulp. Uh, and, and then you saw it a little bit with Iowa State, just kind of willing to play that game, and even against UNI, a team that they could probably have spread out and done just about anything, get all sorts of players involved, and, and they went kind of back to their roots. So I think what they're looking to do is really run some I-formation stuff against Wisconsin. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, I think it's just exciting to see just uh, kind of the what Brian Ferentz is wanting to do. It was nice to see it all worked. Um, so... I can understand some points of view where it doesn't look different yet, um, but I also think that uh, it's different enough for the, from the last two games that it's something that we should be comfortable with going forward. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not even really sure that it was so much different as it was. They just really executed and they did everything well. You know, the passing game wasn't, you know, they actually threw it a little bit more than they had previously. Um, but you know, the Stanley was on, he was throwing the ball. Well, he was getting the ball to his receivers. They weren't dropping the ball. Um, and I think that really that has a lot to do with, uh, you know, this whole, it's different idea is that, you know, the, the passing game just worked, you know, um, the running game, it's been more of the same. The running game was good against, uh, Northern Illinois, especially in the second half, um, you know, it was serviceable enough against Iowa State that, you know, they were able to eke out a victory. And it's, of, of course, it was going to be good against uh, I with the offensive line that Iowa has. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's just, I mean, not to, I hate to say it because it's such a Kirk Ferentz cliche, but it was all, I think, execution, really. Yeah, I certainly buy that. The offensive line, um, it, they were pretty solid, yeah. Um, Dalton Ferguson got a start. He at, was not, but he wasn't that great, and he—I don't know why—he's listed on the. I mean, he's listed on the depth chart now as a starting right guard for uh, E injured um, Levi Duo, right? 
Um, no, not Dua. It's uh, Banwert. Cole Banwert. Cole Banwert. Um, and uh, Banwert or uh, Ferguson was pulled pretty quickly, and Levi Paulson came in and he played just fine. Um, so I'm not super worried about this um, offensive line. I mean, and there, and that's 10 minutes right up there on Iowa's offense alone. We haven't even talked about a uh, the Iowa defense that gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter, largely due to I mean, largely due to some a lot of second string guys on the field. But um, some some starters did play all four quarters on Iowa's defense, uh, especially in, particularly in the defensive backfield. Uh, Michael O.J. Moody and Matt Hankins got targeted a little bit. They played the entire game as best as I could tell. Um, and I think largely that's because they weren't really um, attacked all season long and they needed some practice uh, playing against a team that's coming from behind um, all, all game. And uh, they didn't do great, but uh, O.J. Moody got targeted a little bit. He got um, he got picked on. There's the worst... Uh, defensive pass interference call I've ever seen in my life on Jake Javaz that set up a touchdown that was <laughs> Riley was excited about it though oh my god yeah that, wait wait, wait whoa, oh yeah the, uh, the uh, UNI receiver yeah Briley yeah okay that's most uh I mean this is an Iowa podcast that's most Iowa name I've ever heard um that's such a I um no I'm not making any comments I don't want to to yeah, any I'll say I'll, I'll say I'll, uh, I can you can save all the dumb dumb shit for me. I'll say it. Um, <laughs> Iowa's defense had a paltry three sacks compared to the first two outings where we had five and four respectively, uh, and they came from guys you might not expect. Obviously, AJ Epinesa you expect a sack from him, but Cedric Lattimore got a sack. Uh, Brady Reef had his first sack of the year, and um, you know Anthony Nelson, Parker Hesse, Parker Hesse, Matt Nelson. I was linebackers all stayed relatively quiet in that department, um, and those uh, those were only three tackle for the losses in the entire game, which is a little that's the most interesting stat for me that I picked up. Um, and we didn't stop a running back behind the line of scrimmage at all um, all game. Uh, I'm not worried about it that at all or anything. It's just interesting. We didn't need to. We didn't really blitz much because we didn't need to because our uh, we just sent four men. We're able to handle um, their their front. Uh, Christian Welch. Uh, after missing all of the Iowa State game, came and started at uh, outside linebacker, and he's he leads the team in tackles still, even after playing only two games. I'm people were pretty worried about Iowa's linebacking situation going into the season, but we have I'll say four and a half, in my opinion, capable linebackers that I feel really good about right now, with uh, Welch especially uh, with Christian Welch, really really excited with Nick Neiman. Um, Jack Hockaday is playing well, and then uh, Gmon Colbert uh, uh, is playing really well too. And then um, you know Amani Jones, oh, jury's out on him, but I'm not feeling great um, with his status right now. Four, three games into the year, uh, how do you guys feel about this linebacking core? They've, they're. I don't think that you know it's anything compared to what we've had, and that's not a surprise. Um, nobody was expecting them to be Bauer, Jewel, and Neiman from you know the past couple of seasons, but they have been serviceable. You know they really have. Um, the, you know the first game with uh, Amani Jones wasn't. You know his first couple of drives weren't great before he was pulled for Hockaday, but Hockaday has been really good. You know that wasn't a name that we thought we'd see a lot of the season since we thought that Jones was going to be like the locked-in starter middle linebacker for this and that, and next year. But uh, you know, Hockaday has been really good. 
Nick Neiman has been actually the one that's impressed me the most. Um, you know, he doesn't, like, you don't hear his name called often, so he's not making a lot of tackles, but, you know, he's not getting picked on either. He's, you know, the one that's taking taken over that Ben Neiman role of, uh, you know, kind of covering slot receivers and tight ends, and I, I think hear, not hearing his name is a good thing because it means that, you know, he's not, you know, making mistakes. He's not being found out of position. You know, I think that that's probably the most important part, actually, is because we know that uh, Parker and Ferns are not going to leave that base defense very often if they do. Yeah, you're exactly right about Nick Neiman. I, I think uh, there are a couple times they've called him on design blitzes, and those are the times you want his name called. Um, otherwise, silence is, uh, is a good thing uh, on that front. And I agree. I think four and a half is probably the, the right way to frame it. Um, really uh, pleased with the four. Um, I, I think that Jaima and Colbert and uh, uh, Christian Welch, I think it's probably six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, my preference, I think, was Colbert just a little bit. Um, but uh, so long as they're not making mistakes, I don't really think it matters um, between the two of them. Uh, and of course, Hockaday. Uh, some people had said, "Hey, maybe this guy kind of figures it out." Um, I think it was on the On Iowa podcast, akin to like Cole Fisher, who was that senior in 2015 that really just kind of everything clicked, and he was a quality linebacker for that team. Uh, Hockaday, very much the same. Uh, so I, I think having the four linebackers is good. Um, with the defensive line like they've got, though, that, that makes it a lot easier for the linebackers. Don't have to cover quite as much, and uh, the lanes they're opening up for tackles are uh, being filled by them. So uh, good things all around. Yeah, I saw on the comments today in one of our stories where a couple people speculated that Colbert will start uh, against pass-heavy teams and uh, Welch will start uh, against run-heavy teams, and... I don't know if that's true, but I think it's a really great idea. And um, it's I think there's some proof in that pudding. And it tells me more than anything that really excites me is that Phil Parker is willing to adapt his defense. Uh, we've we've um, <clears throat> It's been a point of consternation in years past where he refuses to take three linebackers off the field in obvious passing situations. And if we can get a guy like Colbert playing a flex uh, nickel-dime linebacker position to help in coverage um it's really exciting really encouraging and i really really like uh what we can see out of that and really quick uh we haven't mentioned i mentioned jake gervais uh you know that's really stupid dumb pass interference call but amani hooker man he he is just everywhere he um he is a straw that stirs a drink uh in my opinion on this Iowa defense, I think he's sort of a quiet, uh, quiet not maybe to the team but to the fans. He's uh, he's a he's a quiet leader, a quiet presence um, for this team. He has um, 14 total tackles on the year, um, and the inter- the huge interception against Iowa State. Um, I just really really like what I'm seeing out of him and all of Iowa's. Um, you know, we've always had pretty good safeties at Iowa, and we, we've missed a guy like him, I think, in a couple years past, and I think having a field general in the defensive backfield like that is, um, 
really going to be great for this uh, for this Iowa defense. Yeah, okay. I love me some Amani Hooker. Um, I think look no further than kind of the Iowa State tape for all that he can do. He's basically a nickelback um, covering Akeem Butler, and you saw what that guy's capable of. Um, he just tore up OU. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that Iowa was able to limit him the way they were, uh, I think says a lot about um, the scheme that Iowa employed and also the way that they were able to execute it. Plus, they're just getting to the quarterback, so um, that that all makes a difference. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm totally on board uh, the Monty Hooker train. Really, really quick note, really really quick note. Um, I've heard his name pronounced a couple of different ways. Jaimin uh, Colbert, Col- Colbert. It's not Colbert. I thought it was. Well, you said Colbert a couple of times. I think I heard a Jaimin. Jaimin. I think I said Jaimin. I'll I'll say it. I don't know who it is. I don't know what, who said what, but I've heard it and I was just like, all right, I gotta look this up. It's Jimon Colbert. Are you? Were you? Did you? Because I'm on the football roster website right now. Is that where you? That has the pronunciation. Uh, I saw it on a Gazette uh, post. Uh, let me. I'm typing it in right now. You're right. It's pronounced Jimon. All right. Cool. Glad that we got that housekeeping note out of the way. The game that he actually played more in, most in, I was uh, in a bar. Uh, I did not. <laughs> I did not hear very much of anything. Um. Because of uh, loud people, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. But yeah, Amani Hooker, I think, is probably the best player in the secondary, and probably the best player on this defense that's not on the defensive line. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. A re- he's a real solid player, and uh, you know, he's. I think that he's probably the most important player on the defense. If we're being Ooh, honest, Ooh, I will buy that. I'll buy that all day. Ooh, yeah, he's definitely the. Most irreplaceable is that probably the right that's, way to frame that's it? That's very yep, I absolutely. Yeah, that's yep, that's fair. I mean, with the defensive line, I feel like there are enough. There's enough depth there where if like you know, I don't even know maybe is. Anthony Nelson were to go down or Parker Hesse were to go down, you know, there are some pieces that they could throw out there. And I mean, Epinesa could start more, and it would hurt the depth. But I don't I even want to talk about are, this. I don't. No, I'm just saying that. No, you, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> not, they, not my those children. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> those those players though they are you know there is depth there you know after these two safeties I know there's Geno Stone but he's mostly untested as well and I think he's been playing mostly Nickelback mm-hmm, this year actually mm-hmm. yeah John Milani is behind Hooker on the depth chart but I imagine um, Geno Stone's probably the second safety there uh, so that was the offense that was the defense real quick special teams Miguel Racinos one for two he's four for seven on the year he had a kick blocked. Uh, we re- I we watched that kick a couple times, and Alaric Jackson just kind of whiffed. It looks like. Um, yeah. Not, I don't blame that on. No. Uh, um, I don't blame that on uh, with Racinos at all. No. Um, uh, Colton Rastater had just two punts, uh, long, thirty-eight yards, seventy total yards on the day. Uh, not nearly as good, obviously, as his NIU outing, but he hasn't needed to be that good. Um, Where have uh. Where did those punts, were there any of those in the 20? I can't remember the punts, honestly. I don't think, I've, uh, you and I look pretty ready for the rugby kicks. I think they fielded all, both of them. I don't think any of them rolled. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the punts, for being recall. honest, which is a shameful for me. No, I, I cannot. Uh, sad day all around. Um, we don't but, but I definitely agree with the special teams. Yeah. Uh, it's been bad. Amani Jones had a couple 
really bad penalties. Mm. Brian Ferentz gave him yeah. a heart-to-heart. Armani Jones had a really dumb uh, block on the back call, I think, or holding call that negated a 38-yard Kyle Groningweg return. Uh, yeah, he was on the opposite side of the field, too. So dumb. Uh, Groney Wake has been yeah. great. Real quick, we'll talk about him. He's been great uh, punt return, in my opinion. We haven't had a weapon at punt returner, I feel like, since uh, Desmond King. And uh, I'm hoping he can um, continue to build on the momentum. And <laughs> a whole one-year gap. I, well, I mean, <laughs> fine, whatever. Um, they actually give Miguel Racinos one for one on sports reference for the field goals. They were wrong last week, too. Yeah, that was ESPN that was wrong the week before. Uh, you, nobody, yeah. nobody then, keeps if good you're not, college No, it's cfbstats.com. If you're not using that for your stats, you're you're wrong. Um, it's, the only, <laughs> Fair it's the only good college. It's the best college football stats website, uh, and they sponsor the pod. Um, so that <laughs> as of right yeah, now. So Iowa had a great weekend. You know who didn't have a great weekend? Most of the rest of the Big Ten. Oof. Um. I don't even know. Understatement of the week. I don't even know where to start. Um, Illinois, playing at Sol- in a goddamn empty Soldier Field, gave up a touchdown, a 54-yard touchdown with two minutes left to go to lose the game. Um, Wisconsin lost to BYU. We're going to talk about that more later. Uh, Rutgers lost to Kansas in the first, um, gosh, First time, the poop bowl. first time Kansas has won since a Kennedy was in office. Um, who else lost? Uh, Temple, Maryland. Maryland <laughs> lost. Maryland lost. Akron uh, came from behind against Northwestern. Missouri and Purdue. That was and a good who, game. Missouri and Purdue was yeah, actually that, an exciting game. Yeah, yeah that, that one was, was a, a rough one. That's hard to call it a Purdue loss and put it all on Purdue. They've had some really well, you bad put it on their. You could put it on their defense. And the cherry on the shit Sunday. Mm. Troy, Nebraska. Yeah, shit buddy. Saturday. Whew. So. Whack Saturday. There was a period of time. Uh, we were in Kansas City area for uh, the shower that I had. And my dad jokingly said the night before, but not so jokingly, hey, you want to go to this Rutgers KU game? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> How about the games for this wedding thing, so uh, probably makes sense not to go to this game. But deep down, ironically, I wanted to go. Ironically, and you football I hipster. Going for the first half because, my God, that would have been a tremendous first half to watch. Oh, well, I, did, I didn't get to watch any of that game. I thought I was going to get it on my TV. I didn't, but, like, some of the gifts that I saw, like the, uh, the Kansas oh, player trying to hurdle the Rutgers player <laughs> uh, that was standing straight up, failing, but also fumbling And then the ball went bounds. 50 yards in the air. <laughs> that one, the uh, missed field or the missed field goal where the uh, holder fumbled the ball. The kicker had to like take a step backwards and try to like reset himself. Mm, just poetry on a gridiron. It was something else. Um, I don't know, man. Oh. I just Big Ten. We get made fun of a lot by. Is the Big Ten bad? Big Ten like is, this year, like. Big Ten. Is it like genuinely like bad? Like it's never the best conference in the country. I'd say like maybe once in a while, but the Big Ten's le- horrible. Like legitimately this year, it's. Um, I mean it's Ohio State and then everybody else. I don't think I think Penn State's going to get exposed eventually. 
I was going to go 12 and 0. We'll be fine. Uh, I hate I hate Michigan. I I think they are so underwhelming, especially with Karan Higdon not playing. Um, I don't believe in Shea Patterson. I don't believe in their receivers. I do think they've got a relatively solid defense. Um, I don't believe in Jim Harbaugh in a crunch time situation. Uh, so it's just a Jim Harbaugh team. Good defense. And yeah. that's, maybe you can run the ball. All yeah, right, but it. you can't without Karan Higdon. Um, Michigan State, they had a bye, so they won this week by not playing. Uh, Minnesota, they're starting a true freshman walk on that quarterback. They're fake news. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope. I really hope. Uh, yeah, we're we'll have some more on them later. But uh, Northwestern, I, Maryland was. I don't. I don't know what's up with that game. That game was inexcusable. Maryland was. I mean, is that all on Thorson? Uh, I haven't even yeah, looked at the box yeah. before that game. How many defensive touchdowns did Akron have? Two or three? Two I think for it was sure. Three. In the second half alone, like you, it's entirely on the Northwestern offense. Uh Pathetic. And personally, Maryland was like my dark horse team because I, I think I had a bold prediction on the first podcast that I would play three ranked teams uh, in the regular season, and mm. Maryland was my dark horse um, even before the Texas game. And oh man, no, 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 no. We uh, yeah, we weren't correct about you weren't correct about that mm-hmm. one. One of the very very many things um, lies I. have t- spoken to you on this podcast dear listener uh, i've never i've never steered anybody wrong on this podcast for what it's worth mm, uh again this whole thing is based on a web of lies but here you keep on coming back like the iowa football drug addicts that you are um there was one thing i did want to add before we left the the real winner of this was iowa because Stuart mandel has them in the Rose Bowl as of he now. Had, he had them in the Rose Bowl last week. week, too. Oh, he had them in the Rose Bowl last week, too? Yeah. yeah. What's this guy on? <laughs> I don't know, but I I want to... I wish that I could enjoy whatever he's on because, like, I believe in Iowa this year. I think that they're, you know, after they got to the non-conference the way they did, I, you know, I'm ready to believe that they're, like, a 9-10 win team. He had but, them in the Rose Bowl last week, too? Yeah. Oh but yeah I have some a, good he, news for everyone. No, no, I actually no. hate this. He uh, he. <laughs> oh no! He got old takes exposed pretty hard last week because back then, remember, like twenty ten or twenty eleven, he said Kirk Ferentz is the most overrated coach or overpaid yeah. coach, and uh, he just people were bringing up tweets from oh nine and ten and eleven from Mandel, and I just oh I love that shit. So good. Always always good to see people. Uh, get, I love uh, love seeing people getting audited on Twitter, which reminds me I should probably. <laughs> Uh, do my own, even though luckily I did not have a Twitter in high school, so I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I haven't looked back much past. I need to spend a weekend doing that. Um, so I, I have one thing to say about the Big Ten too. Before before we move on, I, I don't know what I don't know where we're at. But so for the last few years or so, I've been kind of in jest saying that the uh, that Iowa Chicago's Big Ten team, and you know like sure you know like it's funny. It's funny to say, but after seeing that crowd at Soldier Field, I think, like, who else would uh, uh, Illinois' Big Ten, or Chicago's Big Ten team be? Because it's not either of the state schools. Uh, or the in-state schools. maybe. I would say Wisconsin. I, you think it's Wisconsin? As somebody who's lived here forever, I... 
at Soldier in 2020 and 2021, I believe, right? I, I think that they're playing them at Soldier Field, though, because of Notre Dame instead of because of Wisconsin. I, I think it's a healthy I'd say that Notre Dame school. is Chicago's college school. Nah. No, I think it's Notre Dame. There's a sneaky amount of Michigan Staters here. Um, I don't believe that either, as somebody who lives here. Mm, alrighty. Well, I'll walk down... Walk down Clark Street on a college football Saturday, and um, you can decide for yourself. But I'd say Wisconsin and then Iowa and Michigan State is pretty pretty close, neck and neck there. I would say Michigan before Wisconsin or Michigan State. Uh, well, yeah, but maybe all the Michigan fans are probably in River North watching games, so I'm not. They're, they're probably <laughs> yeah. also they're all probably hiding in Evanston right now. or Evanston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, <laughs> Michigan, Evanston's Big Ten team. Ooh, there you go. I like that. Ooh, let's ooh. let's get on their marketing should... department and, and hit that up. Um, yeah, Big Ten is ass. What else? Uh, what else? You guys got anything else to say about that? I I, I think it's also kind of a misnomer because it was a bad weekend, but these are also some bad Big Ten teams. Uh, but these are some bad teams they lost to. KU's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't believe you, I can't believe you said that no, not, so nonchalantly. Well, no, because I was trying to figure out which one would be the funniest, and KU uh, definitely is. Funniest. Because, like, Missouri, is, Missouri actually might be good. BYU might be good. Fun. Temple, KU. too. Funniest and most correctest. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Troy. Um, Troy actually... I mean, Troy's Troy actually. Just, did you hear? Okay. Did you hear after the game that uh, Troy's head coach said that they had played a very bad game? <laughs> Mad respect. That's so disrespectful, and I love it. They had to evaluate where Nebraska was as a program, and yeah, um, he might oh not God. be around next week. God. He should be Iowa's next head coach. Honestly, let's get him on quality control. <laughs> anyway, all right. So the Big Ten is uh, ass. Uh, and speaking of ass, uh, coming up next, Iowa has Wisconsin coming to Kinnick. Oh, we don't want to do a uh, punch oh, or go shit, for it? Oh, shit, you're right. Sorry. Don't even follow my own script. Oh, we're good. I just wanted to uh, spit some hot takes. All right. Um, well, we just said a not-so-hot take that the Big Ten is ass. Um, I wrote down our punch or go for it, so unless uh, I can rattle them off unless you guys want to. Um, let's start from the top. Wisconsin losing last week to BYU is bad for Iowa. That's that's not even a hot take. That's easily yeah, going to go for, for that. Yeah, yeah, we're all going agreed. for it. We needed. It. It's bad for Iowa. It's bad for the Big Ten. Wisconsin dropped twelve yep. spots in a poll. Uh, they were number six. They're now number eighteen. Is that math right, Harrison? Uh, yeah. Yes. Let's go. Thank you, Iowa education, for that. Um, yeah, obviously it's bad. I don't think there's an argument for it. And uh, psychologically, I think uh, this Wisconsin team, I. Wish I would have done this research. When was the last time they lost two games in a row? Um, I'm gonna look that up right now. You, uh, I don't know. You, you guys talk. About- it'd probably be 2014. Would be my guess. You got- when they made the the Big Ten championship as like in oh yeah seven and six team or something crazy. Uh, like they were <laughs> yeah when eight they, and four and then I think they were nine and three yeah nine and three and then they lost two games. It was a weird season. That would be my guess. Um, I'm still looking. But yeah, I also think on that point, like you kind of want a team coming into Iowa with a little hubris, and there's just none of that right now. 
Um, we'll get to it a little in a little bit, but I do think the way that BYU played them forced a few injuries. I think that is probably Tyo's benefit. And you can swing things every every which direction, right? Like, I mean, the way Iowa lost to Wisconsin last year, Ugh. they remember that. There's going to be something on the poster board. Like, I bet you Chris Doyle and his staff, if they haven't already, they've got 66 put up in every single room for the number mm-hmm. of yards that they got on offense. Like, I mean, there's plenty of motivation on both sides, but uh, you always want them walking into Kinnick with a little bit of hubris. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the last time that Wisconsin lost back-to-back games was uh, 2013. In, to end the they year. Lost, uh, yeah, to end the year. One of those was against number eight South Carolina. The last time they lost back-to-back. Old ball coach. Uh, regular, yeah, back-to-back regular uh, season games was – November 17th and 24th of 2012. Ugh. When they were not Ohio a very State good team. They Penn went 8-6. and six. Bad, bad, bad. So, yeah, I don't like... Uh, oh, that was the year I was thinking of, though. Yeah. I got, I got it yeah. wrong. Um, yeah, so I don't... Psychologically, I don't like that just because, you know, that's the way I think and that's the way I think these people think. That's the thing I think I think. I think. Um, so, yeah, we're all, we're all going for it on that. Uh, next up for punter, go for it. I have uh, this is the best defense Phil Parker has ever coached at Iowa. I'll punt on it. Go for it, Phil Parker. That's easy. Oh, Phil Parker. Yeah. Oh, are we just saying he's on the staff, or are we saying like his, his best defense? So since twenty fourteen. No, it's twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Uh, yeah, twenty twelve. I think. No, um, eleven. Too many twenty twelve. Yeah, references. I don't know. Come on. No, Sorry. yeah, it is twenty twelve though. <laughs> And I, I'm definitely going I for it. I am, too. You uh, could yeah. sell me on it being the best Iowa defense under Ference. Oh, let's go. I'm yeah. all in. Actually, yeah, I would sell yeah. that. 2004 was incredible, yeah. though. Yeah, that's what I'm So that's of. a high bar. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this this defense has a chance to get there. Yeah, I think it's really yeah, a chance. Um, yeah, it's definitely uh, Phil's best defense as the coordinator. That's, that's something I will give for sure. Um. All right, that was easy. Uh, this is my... One of my favorites is Iowa Western Community College is going to put the University of Iowa on the map and vice versa. Or better yet, IWCC and Iowa are a match made in heaven this year. We have last year at Nick Easley. This year we have Nick Easley. No, Nick Easley went somewhere else. Wait, really? No, he was no, Iowa he was Western. Like, no, he was like. Groningway was, was the... like North Dakota Technical College of Mines. Oh, okay. Maybe I've got yeah. convinced. Oh, yeah, you're right. I thought I got those two mixed yeah. up. Easily was IWCC, and uh, so is Makai Sargent. And uh, two of Iowa's biggest weapons in offense right now. And um, getting exposure for both programs is great. I We've talked about how Iowa's sort of been missing a, um, you know, we see players come in from junior college and tear it up for some D1 programs and, and the SEC all the time. And I like to see Iowa getting a piece of that action right now. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Iowa Westerns already. Uh, now they're not necessarily on the map on the map, but they're pretty well known for the teams that they put together. They've always got some pretty solid talent there. Um, but yeah, no, I think that those that the Iowa finally reaching into that JUCO pot and you know pulling some players out i think that it's a good thing like the like sergeant uh i mean nixon went there for a year he was yeah. obviously an iowa recruit but you know i think that 
that's a great developmental program and uh it's not a bad thing to get some experience and uh that's you know from a, le- a level lower yeah it was dumb that iowa hasn't been using iwcc before um i don't know if it's a matter of putting each other on the map but it's definitely a mutually beneficial uh, relationship it's not necessarily the fish that are eating the scum off of a shark because Iowa isn't a shark, but Chum? it's something like that. If you're not no, a it's shark, like when they have the krill. I don't the, know what it is. On yeah, the, I know what you're talking the, about. Their belly. Yeah. <laughs> I have the same issue. I think it's called shingles. Um, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> All right, uh, but I, yeah, my only concern with that relationship is that. Nebraska is going to really try to get in on that relationship because Lincoln's actually closer, I'm pretty sure, to Iowa Western than Iowa, than Iowa is. Iowa, Iowa Western needs to evaluate where Nebraska is as a program. This is fair. This is How also many times fair. make that joke? <laughs> At least one more time in this podcast, I guarantee it. Uh, I'm into it. Hello, and uh, yeah, we don't need to do this again. Hey, guys. It's Max and Harrison now. Harrison, what's up? Not too much. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, last night we recorded a whole 30 minutes of the podcast that apparently got eaten by uh, the podcast uh, or the recording system that we use. And it was actually just 30 minutes of my audio, but then you missed a whole side of a conversation where uh, people are responding to things that I said, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, so Harrison and I are back on... Uh, you know, working on this today after Ben was unfortunately unable to join us, um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, we're just gonna do this is gonna be a real quick part where we're just gonna kind of talk about uh, this upcoming Wisconsin game and take a look at what we think is going to happen. Um, so Harrison, uh, what do you think the most intriguing storyline is heading into this game for Iowa and Wisconsin? Well, to me, uh, in, in watching the Wisconsin game and in reading Jordan's piece, uh, the rewatch, I'm actually a little more confident that Iowa can replicate some of the stuff that uh, BYU is doing when they uh, beat Wisconsin. Uh, Jordan pulled out quite a few plays where there was motion action, um, both the screen pass to easily, a couple jet sweeps, uh, things of that nature, and that was really what BYU did a lot of um, to get Wisconsin's defensive front uh, really kind of thinking um, and when you're thinking you're not moving so uh, I think that Iowa might have a couple more pieces than than maybe I thought even last night uh, in terms of uh, how they might attack this Wisconsin team yeah that's definitely a really odd thing too for Wisconsin to you know kind of struggle with is Wisconsin you know has been I guess and this wasn't necessarily under uh, Chris but you know, Wisconsin has been a team that's excelled at the jet sweep and excelled with motion in the past. You know, like you think back to when like Melvin Gordon and whoever was uh, attending Wisconsin, they used that a whole lot. And that was kind of like what we've known to become kind of a Wisconsin identity is, you know, motion, jet sweeps and, you know, along with power running the football. Uh, so yeah, no, that's definitely something that interesting and kind of like something that I had been thinking about last night too is, uh, you know, that's something that Iowa can try to take advantage of. You know, they usually run it with uh, Smith Marset, the Jets sweep. They ran it pretty well with uh, Gronowig, uh 
against you and I. You know, he had that one for 11 yards, and then that was uh, the play after. Uh, if you haven't read the rewatch, um, that was the play after they had run the, uh, was that a tunnel screen to Nick Easley? I don't know if it was necessarily a tunnel screen or the kind of run pass option, but it was just yeah. he just flicked it out there. And yeah. really that's the kind of throw that Stanley struggled with uh, this season, just that really easy throw that allows uh, the receiver to get ahead of steam and move. Um, so it was nice to see him hit on that, that throw. Yeah. Um, I think that um, the actually, speaking about Stanley, I think that the most important storyline going into this week is going to be how does he fare against this Wisconsin 3-4 defense that he struggled so mightily with last year. Last year he was something like 8 for 24 against Wisconsin. Uh, abysmal game. I don't. We don't need to talk about it much more than that. But, you know, he really struggled with this uh, Wisconsin defensive defense. Uh, defensive front he really struggled seeing where the pass rush was going to come from and he made a lot of terrible decisions with the football in that game uh you know i think that it's going to be interesting to see because people were kind of talking about how oh well iowa state has this three-man front how you know something that stanley's never seen and iowa state really didn't use it against iowa they bulked up a bit on the um on the in the trenches they added a fourth man for the majority of that game you know to try to stop Iowa from their using their power run game against them um uh yeah and i think that that's going to be really the most important thing to really think about is can stanley you know make plays when he doesn't really know where the pressure is going to come from that's a good point um cuz i i'm looking at those stats maybe uh against your advice and they they are not pretty um you're right on the money with the 8 of 24 and really the thing that sticks out even more than 8 of 24 66 is passing yards isn't it no 41 oh, so I, I i gave him too much credit 66 passing 66 yards total um, uh, but the number that really sticks out outside of that is like it really was stanley's worst game um by you, you far. mentioned the pass rush uh, it's got him down for negative 35 yards uh, rushing, um, which I think was only four sacks. Uh, he's got a fifth carry for a long of two yards, but I'm pretty sure that was uh, he was being pressured there. So it's you know it's really gonna be incumbent on Nate Stanley to be better than he was mentally um, because he was really bad, but also. They chalked up a lot of that to having a really young line. And um, really, Kirk said it today um, that they they know who Iowa is. Iowa knows who Wisconsin is. So, (laughs) But uh, are they who we think they are? I don't know. It's literally the most confusing thing he's ever talked about. um, Yeah, what is is that exact quote? I've got to go find this really quick while you talk. Yeah, so, I, I mean, they know what Wisconsin's going to try and do. It's a matter of being able to stop it, and, and really, it, that's a, an easy way to, to kind of put blame on uh, the players, which I don't necessarily like, um, because, you know, they could have done more stuff uh, to make it a uh, more difficult game. Uh, if memory serves, they were actually, I was pretty good on first down, getting to runs, but Brian got maybe a little too cute in play calling um, where he was throwing some passes, which works when, you know, the throws are good, the catches are there. 
um, but last year they weren't. Uh, so uh, they're going to need to be better in really every phase of the game, uh, with maybe the exception of defense. I think the 38 points is a little bit of a misnomer um, just because it was a function of constantly turning the ball over. Um, it was a decent game punting. Um, a lot of punts, though. Nine, which uh, I do not want to see that again, please. Unless both teams have punted nine times. In that case, you know what? I don't want to watch that. You know, like, I don't want to watch. Yeah, I kind of want to watch that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not something you want to see a lopsided uh, you know, number in. Because I don't think Wisconsin really punted the ball that much in that game, if at all. I don't. I was, uh, after a certain amount of time, I just kind of stopped remembering and paying attention just to kind of save my sanity. Yeah, this is a really kind of a weird one because they do have five punts. They have three interceptions and one lost fumble. So That's Iowa Wisconsin. Did, that's Wisconsin. So, like, they did not play really that clean of a game it's offensively, but defensively they were just incredible and I think we've seen them lose a lot of talent from last year uh their corners were um really I I think a a group that made Iowa struggle um we've seen Iowa have trouble uh this year and last year especially just getting separation and getting open uh so maybe that opens a little bit of the door for Iowa this year uh to have uh, a little inex- inexperience in Wisconsin's defensive backfield. Yeah, definitely. And to go back to that quote, the fairness quote is, the good news is we know who they are and they know who we are. The bad news is that we know who they are. And yeah, no, that makes absolutely no sense. If somebody can, uh, somebody can you know, kind of explain that one to me, feel free because it's some Tyler Durden type stuff. Yeah, that's that's not Denny Green. That is or Dennis Green, excuse me. That that is some real confusion. So maybe that's just his goal is just to confuse everyone. Um, yeah. Because I guess because it's straightforward, but it's still confusing. Maybe we're just idiots. That might yeah. also be the case. We're overthinking this. This is he's just really not saying much, and we're sitting here trying to like figure out what kind, trying to crack the code. But uh, so Wisconsin also has a few guys that are out this weekend. Um, they have. Uh, uh, one of their tight ends uh, that's definitely out this weekend. Uh, they have another tight end who's questionable in uh, Xander Newell or Newville, um, and they've got some they've got some linebackers that are out. They have one that's out for the season. Uh, they have one that's out this weekend, and then they've got a couple more that are questionable in Van Ginkle and uh, Mascalunas. So it, there's some they're battling the injury bug right there in Wisconsin, and you know that might have something to do with how that defense kind of played against BYU, against the Cougars. They gave up like seven yards per carry. They were not good. Yeah, and I I thought initially that that might be a little bit of a deceptive thing because they did have a couple really long runs. They had runs of 44 and 46. Um, but even taking those out, and they were, they were averaging close to four yards, which I, I think against a Wisconsin team you take. Uh, so it's not completely misleading to say that um, they were getting beat up front, but uh, BYU is definitely having success. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, from watching that Wisconsin game, I think that BYU probably 
uh, you know, expose them a little bit more on defense than they really did on offense. Um, because we kind we kind of know who Wisconsin is. They don't really have any receiving threats this year. Um, you know, they're uh, they have what's his name, Cephas, that's out doing his mystery um, self suspension for uh, alleged sexual assault. Um, and then they really don't have any playmakers. They didn't have any playmakers really into coming into the season other than him. And then missing one tight end for sure and potentially a second is uh, it could be big for Iowa. You might you know you might be able to just stack that box eight deep every single time and hope to hope for the best. Yeah, the one guy who stuck out when I was watching it was that tight end Ferguson. Um, I think he might be a freshman, so get used to hearing his name. Um, but he was definitely someone that somehow always found his his way open and it wasn't like they were uh little quick passes or anything like that he was running pretty long routes averaged about 20 yards a care or 20 yards of reception um and he was someone that was able to find uh the openings in the defense so um i might be concerned with if if iowa does stack the box he's someone that they could go over the top with uh, on a play action or something of that nature so um, he, he would be my name to watch because, to your point, their, their wide receivers don't scare me that much, um, it, at least from what I saw. And really the way that I was, combination of defensive line and uh, wide receivers have, and defensive backs have been playing, uh, I think they're in pretty good shape from an uh, out-wide perspective. Um, but it's going to be Ferguson that I have my eye on. Yeah, and then obviously there's uh there's Taylor. Taylor's a great running back. He broke the freshman rushing record for the country last year. Broke Adrian Peterson's freshman rushing record. Um, and you know he's obviously going to be somebody that you want to watch out for. And Iowa very well may never leave their uh, four three base defense this weekend. Even you know in obvious passing down situations, just because uh, Taylor is such a huge threat and. I don't think he's much of a catching, or, or he, I don't think he's much of a receiving running back. I uh, think he only caught like two passes last year. He caught one last week against BYU, I think, um, or maybe it was a drop. I don't recall it this moment. Uh, I remembered last night. I don't remember now. Um, but you know, somebody to keep an eye out for at least in the run game, and it's an obvious one. And they've got some solid guys behind him as well. Yeah, um, the deal guy, he got two of their touchdowns last um, last week, uh, and the fullback actually got the, the third touchdown for Wisconsin, so um, they're going to have a pretty diverse uh, running game. So uh, they, they've got a pretty diverse um, kind of running game between uh, Taylor, of course, deal, and uh, the fullback. Hornibrook is someone who's got some wheels, um, but... Uh, not going to necessarily burn you unless I was in man coverage, which would be hopefully un- an unlikelihood. Um, but it'll be incumbent to make sure that he throws because I think that's really the, the way to beat him. That's the way BYU won. Uh, they were up for m- most of the second half. Um, and, you know, when you put them in passing situations, you're you're putting the ball in the hands of Hornibrook, who's thrown a penchant for uh, throwing interceptions. And, and with Iowa's defensive line, I like their chances of, of making those decisions even harder for him. Yeah, definitely. If Iowa can get Wisconsin in obvious passing downs, 
where AJ Epinesa and uh, the Nelsons and Hesse can, you know, pin their ears back and go after Hornibrook, I think Iowa has an amazing chance of winning this game. And, you know, that might sound really obvious, but Hornibrook is not a good quarterback when he has to make a decision like that very quickly. You know, he unless it's his first three on like a slant, you know, um, he does not make good decisions with the football. Last year, he had an abundance of interceptions. This year, he's a little bit more of the same, I believe. Um, I don't have his stats right in front of me right now. Well, he threw the bad interception last week, um, gave BYU a short field, and they were able to convert a touchdown on that. Yeah. Uh, and really, he's got three inter- three touchdowns, two interceptions this year. Um, really not a whole lot, not all much need for him to throw, kind of like Stanley so far this year. Um, hard to say what his best game was. I suppose it was probably the first game with two touchdowns, but against New Mexico, he was incredibly inefficient on 11 throws. So um, really, if, if he has less than 15 throws, it's probably good news for Wisconsin. Uh, means that they're controlling the game how they want. Uh, so it's going to be important for for Iowa to not let them do what they want, which I guess is what uh, Kirk Ferentz's point is, to bring it back to that. <laughs> All right. Um, unless you have anything else that you want to touch on, uh, I think that it's about time that we can wrap this thing up and we can uh, just do predictions. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, I'll start off with Ben's from yesterday. Uh, ben said I was going to win 17-10. to 10. I don't remember what else he said, but... He uh, he said he was feeling good about it. Yeah, uh, and, and I I think it'll be a similarly low-scoring game. Um, I'm going to maintain my prediction from the lost pod yesterday, uh, and, and I'm going to go with 13-12. Um, I think it's going to be a weird game where uh, Wisconsin is um, you know controlling the tempo for the most part, but um, they're not able to really get it into the end zone. So they're going to have four field goals. Iowa's going to have uh, a late fourth quarter drive. Nate Stanley takes him down, score a touchdown, don't convert the two-point conversion. So 13 to 12. All right, how is uh, – yeah. Um, and I said last night, I believe I said 27 to 19. Um, I don't remember how I came up with the number 19. I just think I, I think I just said it. 27-19 seems fair, you know, maybe Iowa will get a couple of touch or will allow a couple of touchdowns and a field goal and then a nice big FU safety at the end of the game. Uh that sounds that sounds nice. I'll take that as my uh final score. I think we'd all take that, Max. Yeah, definitely. So, the two of us and then Ben from last night, we've got Iowa all three of us, so um, barely. Yeah, just barely. I mean, by a total of what? 8 10 seven. points. Yeah. I have a total of uh, 16 points. The three of us have picked the Hawkeyes to beat the Badgers this upcoming weekend. Um, so we'll wrap things up right there. Uh, you know, so for Max Brecky, or for Harrison Starr. I, now I forgot my name. Look at that. You forgot your name last week. I've forgotten my name this week. Yeah, that's the way uh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, for Harrison Starr, I'm Max Brecky. Uh, go Hawks. Shana Tova.